0: Welcome, or welcome back to The Sonia Looney Show. This is episode 13. And here is a snippet from this week's guest.
1: And really it's about belief and conviction in what you're trying to do, going all in, and that really not giving yourself an excuse to deviate from the plan when things start to go south. And with mindset, it it truly is a a choice. I talk about how 90% of life is a choice. 10% of life is what happens to us and 90% is how you choose to react to that. And the 10% is just, it is what it is.
0: That was James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy. Iron Cowboy got his name because he was doing Iron Man Canada and so many people wanted to cheer for him, but it's hard to pick people out in a crowd. So he actually wore a cowboy hat during Iron Man Canada and then proceeded to wear a cowboy hat whenever he took on beating the world record and becoming a Guinness Book of World Record holder in 2012 when he did 30 Ironman races in 11 countries in one year. But that's not all. In 2015, James Lawrence the Iron Cowboy did an unthinkable challenge. He did 50 Ironman races, in 50 states in 50 days. That means he's traveling in between states with his crew and every single day showing up and completing an Ironman distance triathlon. Many said it would be impossible, but he was actually able to do it, and there are so many awesome podcasts and articles about it. We talk about it a little bit in the show, but I left it for his book, which just came out, Redefine Impossible with the Iron Cowboy in the show notes. It's an amazing account of resilience and never giving up and being able to move forward even when things are harder than you could possibly imagine with setbacks and being able to overcome those. James is completely transparent in his book and takes you through the journey like you're there with him. I love this conversation with the Iron Cowboy because we delve into the mindset behind these insane events that he does around the world. It's not just about racing. It's about the experience and the personal challenge and how it teaches you who you are and how you're going to learn how to react to things that happen to you. I can really relate with the Iron Cowboy because these are the exact reasons why I take on the hardest mountain bike races around the world. And it was so fun to hear somebody else's perspective doing different types of events. So here he is, the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence. He will tell you how he redefines impossible. Hey James, how's it going?
1: Awesome, happy to be here.
0: So happy to see your smiling face on Monday morning. That's perfect.
1: Everybody should be smiling on Monday morning.
0: Especially after you suffered in the crusher and the tusher. You're just telling me about it. It was 100 degrees and then it was freezing all in one day.
1: Yeah, we had an incredible weather turn. I mean, mountain races are always unpredictable. You don't know what uh, weather you're going to run into, especially once you get over 10,000 feet. You just got to be exp- ready for anything. And, and I wasn't, I just had my small spandex and no jacket. And so oh, so I man. got, I got really wet and really cold. It was, it was possibly some, the, some of the coldest I've ever been.
0: Wow. And that's saying a lot. Cause I've seen some pictures of you on online from the winter with your beard being like a complete ice block.
1: <laughs> that's true. But I was wearing the appropriate attire. <laughs> that's right. This, this, I was uh, very lightly dressed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. And I bet your body freaked out because after being so hot to then getting so cold would just be such a shock to the system.
1: It literally was like going from a sauna into a freezer. It was just, it was so cold. You couldn't, I mean, it was on... The heat was on a huge climb and then the top section the skies opened up and then we were trying to descent and your hands got so cold and you couldn't break on the hairpin turns and it got really sketchy. there was a bunch of crashes and but I mean that that's racing man that's what makes it fun and it's why we do it if we have, if everything was predictable it would yeah, wouldn't be fun
0: That's true so but you're no stranger to doing epic shit in your life and um, <laughs> I've done a few things. <laughs> Heck yeah, you have. And I first heard about you actually from our mutual sponsor Jaybird and I was doing a commercial with them last year and they were telling me about your 50-50-50. And then Coincidentally, I had just kind of discovered uh, Rich Roll's podcast and then I had heard you on his show as well. And I remember exactly where I was riding my bike, listening to that podcast, thinking like, wow. So for our <sighs> listeners who <laughs> haven't heard of, I mean, I know it's been all over the media and it's really awesome and I'm excited to talk about that, but also about some other things you've been up to since. But sure. for our listeners who haven't heard of that, what is the 50-50-50?
1: Yeah, I am um, for a decade... Not knowing I was getting ready for that specifically, I was doing a lot of endurance challenges and, you know, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds around what we did, but truly it was the next natural progression in my mind for what we were doing um, and where I was trying to get mentally and physically. But the fifty-fifty-fifty was 50 full iron distance triathlons in 50 consecutive days and to make it just a little bit harder, we did one in every state.
0: And that's, that's an amazing feat, and I heard that there are some naysayers out there, which I think is like, I don't know, it seems weird to me that someone would say something negative, like, oh, he can't do it, and why somebody would even bother saying that, because it seems really pointless, because they're not out there doing it, but that well, included... That included Hawaii, right?
1: Yeah, it included Hawaii and Alaska, all 50. It's super easy to hide behind a keyboard and lash out at individuals that are trying to do something. I think the majority of it comes from jealousy, and they wish that they were doing something of that magnitude. And I'm totally okay with it because I know I know who I am. I know why I do certain things. And I actually understand now why there was some lashing out of people that said I couldn't do it and, and non-believers. I mean, it was the majority of people. Um, and like I said, when we started, it was where my mind and my body was in the journey that I was on. Now, having finished it and then looking back being removed and not training for a year because I needed that type of recovery and then trying to get back into it. I can see why someone getting up off the couch or is new to the sport or maybe has, has just done sprints or one Ironman or whatnot can say, holy cow, that's stupid. That's not possible because of where they are on their journey. And where I was on my journey, it totally made sense, which is ridiculous to say, but it's just where I was on my journey and it was the next step. Physically and mentally, we had just come off of doing 30 Ironmans in a year through 11 countries, all official races where I'd won two of them, play second five times, and just an incredible journey. And so, for me, yeah, 50 consecutive or the consecutive world record definitely was what was next on my plate.
0: That's so cool. And yeah, I like that you said it's really relative to what you've been doing because if people look at someone just running a marathon or a 100 mile or or even a 5k like other people say wow that's so crazy but once you start achieving things as an athlete or even outside of being an athlete as someone who owns a business that's why people start second businesses and third businesses is because you're always looking for that next challenge because that's what keeps you going and that's where the growth happens.
1: Well, people, you know, you're totally right, growth is is the best part of doing these types of things, but what people don't realize is they are only familiar with my latest accomplishment. They don't realize that there was a decade before that and then I actually started my journey off the couch and struggled my way through a 4-mile fun run with my wife to where she just flat out said that I was pathetic. And she <laughs> went, she went to her computer and signed me up for the Salt Lake City Marathon. And she was like, you've got five months to figure this out. And that's kind of what kickstarted this whole thing. And, and what made me dive into, to the world of endurance racing was this pathetic mess of a four miler that, that we ended up doing.
0: That's amazing. My, yeah. Cause you were wrestling before that, weren't you?
1: Yeah. I grew up as a wrestler all, all through school and it's going to get a little bit loud in here. My wife just walked in and the kids maybe right behind them, so.
0: That's all good.
1: Life happens, right?
0: That is the sound of life and that is real.
1: (laughs) It is, you know, off air, you and I, you know, alluded to quickly that, you know, I have five kids and it's difficult to manage those types of things. And it's part of life and we try to include them in, in everything that we do. So yeah, life includes the kids and my wife and they're a big part of what I do. And my wife does uh, racing too. She actually did the crusher with us on the weekend and oh,
0: cool. she, did
1: a, she did a half Ironman earlier this year. And so she's she's big into the the racing too and loves all aspects of it.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait to get into your family life a little bit more, but let's get back to the 50 50 50 for a little while so basically you said that you were a wrestler you weren't an endurance athlete before and you grew up in calgary is that right yeah
1: grew up in calgary canada had no endurance background actually had to teach myself how to swim uh, later in life age 28 and really just kind of dove into the sport but yeah my background is is wrestling I mean, I rode, I rode a bike casually as a kid, like we all do, to the 7-Eleven and to grab a Slurpee. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really had to, to learn the sporting and get into it. But I, but I think wrestling really helped develop my mental toughness. Yeah. It's, it's a grueling sport. It's an individual sport. And it's one that if, if you're not mentally sharp, you'll get beat down, regardless of your physical abilities. It, it breaks a lot of people. So I think really that foundation of mental toughness started back in my wrestling days for sure.
0: Yeah, and in some ways, it's harder to build mental toughness than it is physical ability.
1: Well, I come across a lot of people that are physically more talented than I am, but I end up ultimately beating them in some races because of mental toughness. They can't get over some barriers or some challenges that they they face in racing, and I've seen some incredible talent just be unrealized because they just can't figure out the mental side of it it's one of the biggest questions that i get and they're looking for you know one answer or one solution to it and and it truly comes down to it's another facet of training there's mental there's physical there's cardiovascular there's all of it there's strength there's so many components to it and, and you can't just wake up one day and be mentally tough It's something that you have to purposely put yourself in tough situations and challenge yourself. And like you said earlier, to learn and grow from those challenges and adversities. And it's literally taken a lifetime to where mentally we put ourselves in a position where we could attack and attempt to do the 50.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a race like that or an event that you plan like that, you have to figure out who you are and you probably figured out who you are. Far deeper than any other challenge and we forgot to mention that your 30 iron man in 11 countries in 2012 was a guinness book of world record Thing that you did so i'm sure that was hard enough, but 50 50 50 There's had to to have been moments where you thought, I can't do this and you have to keep pushing, or moments where you had to be really patient because every single day you were traveling, right? And you had your crew there. And I'm sure that temperament, like you might have felt temperamental inside, but knowing emotionally how to handle that on the outside was really important part of that as well.
1: Well, what's super hard is, you know, we were undermanned for sure. We didn't realize what it was going to take. How do you get people to commit to 50 days? you know, away from their normal lives and into ours. Um, And so that that was challenging. I only convinced a few guys (laughs) to do that with us. And so we were well understaffed in order to go out there and accomplish it. And yeah, I mean, it gets, on top of just doing the events, we had to plan all the logistics and and execute it all. We had to run all the PR. I mean, we did a, fi- a public 5K every day as part of our event to raise the money for childhood obesity and the Jamie Oliver Foundation. And so all of these elements, you know, on top of each other made the challenge very, very, very difficult.
0: Yeah. And I like that you have a very strong sense of purpose with this because it's not just about you personally achieving this feat. It's about raising money for a charity and you keep saying we it's a team effort with all of your crew there it's not just about you
1: yeah there's no way something of this magnitude gets done on my own yeah i had to, to go out there and do the the race and training prep but i had a coach with me along the way and i had my wife and my kids supporting that and then once we were out there it's not possible without i mean you're talking about traveling through all 50 states and getting to those locations and being ready and prep. There's so many things behind the scenes, and that's why the book is getting the reviews it's getting is because people are really enjoying the rawness that we shared from behind the scenes and what it took and, and the adversity and the thing that we are overcoming during this journey. And so it is really a powerful read because it does give you that insight into what it truly takes to go all in on something and to really figure out how to keep moving.
0: That's so awesome. So yeah, let's talk about more about your book because that's really going to get into the details that we're not going to have time to get into in this podcast about this feat. So like, when did the book come out? What kind of got you going with the book?
1: Yeah. So once I hit, it's actually interesting how it came about. Once I hit uh, within the last 10 races of the 50, I knew that we were going to make it. We were close enough that it was going to take an act of God to stop us because we had really figured it out as a team. I had figured out how to make an Ironman a routine daily, which you know took a lot to do and sounds stupid that an Ironman can come become routine, but it it really did. And so I started positioning myself with a writer, knowing that my memory wasn't going to be fantastic from these 50 days and that we were going to have to start interviewing people really quickly and pulling all the information that we could out as quickly as we could. And so we started interviewing the day after the 50. I mean, there was no letdown sponsorships and media and everything attacked us. And then we started writing the book the next day because we knew that it was going to take two years to be able to write this out. And really, what's really cool is I don't remember a lot of elements because I had to go somewhere else mentally in order to accomplish this. And so we started contacting people that became pivotal parts of each day. And for them, it was one, their one day in amongst 50 of mine. And so their memories and details were fantastic. And so we've been able to compile all of these stories and memories from everybody along the journey and then put it into one experience of the book where, you know, we've called it Redefine Impossible because, like you said, early when we started, we had no support. Nobody believed we can do it. And then we went out there and did the best we could to execute.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely link that up in the show notes because this book is amazing because it really makes you feel like you can do things in your life too. Like you can feed off of all the things that you did.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is the book isn't just about the 50. It's actually about how we got to that to everything before that moment. And so it really brings people into how we got there and why we were able to achieve it despite all the things that we were going through. I mean, a lot of people don't know our financial history. I used to own a mortgage company and we lost everything in the economic crash of 2008. And we had to rebuild and and do all these things and with no support trying to do these endurance challenges. And, And my wife graduated with her psychology degree literally two weeks before we left on the 50. And so while I was training and trying to run a business and doing all the logistics for the 50. We've got the five kids and then she's, you know, challenging herself and growing her mind and getting her psychology degree. And so just so many things were happening in our lives at the time. And all of that is included in the book. And we also have a short documentary on Vimeo. Hang on one second. Sunny Joe! Sunny, can you go to the other room, please? <laughs> you guys are, you're really loud. She's yelling. <laughs> we can hear you.
0: <laughs> she, she, That's does, awesome. she doesn't
1: believe me <laughs> but yeah we've got the documentary out on vimeo that kind of half the time we had a film crew out there and so it kind of picked up some of the raw stuff that happened out there but again just like my presentation on stage i go around and, and i do some speaking it's it's just a snapshot of what we went through um and and hopefully it, it wets the palate to dive into the book more but we're getting great reviews and, the, and sales are sales are fantastic so
0: yeah. So, what are the main points you talk about in terms of mindset? I see your shirt there, and we talk about mindset a lot on my show. Oh, there it is. Mindset is everything. That's awesome. Mindset
1: of everything. It's a it's a buddy of mine. His name's Mitch. He's a Navy SEAL, um, who I met walking through Greece. That's one of his shirts, and and you know, he's a huge advocate of mindset, just like I am. And so, it's a it's kind of cool.
0: So yeah. But, so, know, what are some of the key things you touch on when it comes to mindset through these challenges?
1: Yeah, and really, it's about. Belief and conviction in what you're trying to do, going all in, and really not giving yourself an excuse to deviate from the plan when things start to go south. And with mindset, it it truly is a a choice. I talk about how 90% of life is a choice. 10% of life is what happens to us. And 90% is how you choose to react to that. And the 10% is just, it is what it is. And then everybody beyond that 10% has a choice on how to internalize and take all of those situational things that are happening and react to them. And you can react positively or negatively or turn it into a negative or turn it into a positive. It's a total choice. And so as soon as we realize that only 10% of the entire equation is what was happening, the other 90% is what we could Was It all in our control on how we internalized it and then chose to react to it.
0: Yeah, I think the most important part of that is knowing how to make the space in between the 10% that happens and the 90% that you're going to choose how you're going to view what just happened to you. So it's how do you cultivate that space, though? Because for people that haven't really spent a lot of time doing meditation or hard physical challenges or things like that, how do you learn how to be more patient with yourself and create that space so that you can make that choice?
1: It's interesting. I mean, you don't have to do extreme challenges or big events. Uh, Trust me, every single day, every minute of every day, you're being faced with adversity and challenges and people trying to grab your attention. And so throughout the course of every single day, you have micro opportunities to start that mental training and toughness and, uh, you know, your route of adaptation. There's opportunities around us. And you're either looking for opportunities or you're a mini me monster where you're, 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 you know, Poor me or you're self-absorbed in what you're doing, there's always opportunities every single day to challenge yourself mentally and grow and progress as a human. And if you're not, if you're not finding those uh, opportunities, then you're not looking or searching or wanting to grow. You're, you're happy in your miserable state.
0: Yeah, and I think that the brain actually does start to rewire itself. If you start looking for opportunities, instead of looking for excuses or reasons to feel sorry for yourself, you start seeing more and more opportunities. And then your mindset starts changing because your brain actually rewires itself.
1: It completely does. It itself. The mind and the body are amazing at adapting. And as soon as you start to look for opportunities to learn and grow, more of them will present itself. And it just becomes fun. Now, things that were challenging in the past become fun and adventurous. Like I got the opportunity to ride my bike up Kilimanjaro and we ran 235 miles across Greece. And I just did the Celtman and the Swiss man. And they became fun adventures for me because of what I learned and was, was able to do on the 50. And so now I get to go do these awesome incredible races that are more fun adventurous than grueling challenges that beat me up yes they're still grueling they're still challenges and i have to be mentally sharp but i get to now go enjoy them instead of like suffer through them it's just it's how you perceive the challenge if you can go out and attack it and have a grateful attitude about it or if you want to go suffer and be miserable it's it's completely a choice
0: I love that so much. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics of the 50-50-50. So you said that your family, you had your whole family with you. So you had five kids, your wife, you had a crew. So you guys went around in an RV, right?
1: Yeah. So in order to accomplish and get around all 50 states successfully, you almost have to start in Hawaii. And so we flew my family out to Hawaii and we didn't have a crew out there in Hawaii. It was just us. And we did Hawaii and then Alaska. Flew to both of those. And then from Alaska, we went to Washington. And so on day number three is when our crew actually met us there with the motorhome. And then we went, just real quick, we went down the west coast. So Washington, Oregon, California. And then we started to cut across. So Nevada, Arizona, Colorado. And we kind of went along the bottom and kept going up and down into the middle states, up the east coast, back along the top, and then dropped down for the 50th in Utah. Um, But yeah, I mean, we were criticized for trying to do... The 50 in June and July, which are the hottest months and some of the hurricane seasons um, in some of the Midwest and some of the southern states, but I wasn't going to not do it with my family. They're a huge part of what we do, and we wanted to give them an incredible, adventurous summer. So while I was out racing, it was amazing the way that the community came out and supported our family. They knew we were coming through, and they would take my kids and have things planned for them. And and wow. my wife just had an unbelievable job of trying to manage what we were doing, trying to manage me, making sure that I was okay, and then also making sure that the kids had an unbelievable time. And so her job was tougher wow. than mine and in what she was trying to accomplish and making sure that the kids had an unbelievable summer. And they did. They had so much fun. The amusement parks and water parks and historical sites. And they just got to see the country for all the beauty that's in it. And I got to see it in a very different way. <laughs> not, not nearly as enjoyable. I joke with my wife and saying, hey, we have to go see all 50 states again so that I can actually see it. Um, yeah. and, re- and And remember, and, it. And re- and remember <laughs> it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, your wife, I would love to meet your wife. She sounds like a really amazing lady.
1: As you can hear, she's a firecracker. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. She is. awesome. Yeah. Did you have anything happen along the way? I mean, there's a lot of things that can like I've traveled a lot around the world for mountain bike races and like your stuff gets lost or you get delayed or there's weather. Did you have anything major happen? And how did you overcome that?
1: Yeah, we had, I mean, every single day we had something happen that we had to figure out. I mean, on day one in the middle of the night, we get pulled over by the police and told to stop and we can't bike on these roads. Day number five, I tear my shoulder and have to figure out how to swim with one arm. On day seven, we hit a deer in the middle of the night with the motor home and destroy the front end. We show up at one race and we can't find my shoes. Just every single day we were dealing with a million different things. The generator went out on the motor home. We didn't have air conditioning. We didn't have a fridge or freezer dealing with, uh, I mean, we chased a hurricane named Hurricane Bill for three days um, that pushed us into extreme extreme weather where we had to decide whether we had to do it in, indoors or, or stay outside and, and risk our health um, and safety of everybody around us. And so we had a lot of on-the-fly decisions that that some of them were controversial and some, sometimes people won't understand them, but you can't possibly put yourself in our shoes with what we were doing. And we had to make decisions in, that was for the best of the campaign that would keep us moving forward so that we continue to raise money for the charity. And And I don't regret any of the decisions we made and the journey that we had, not not one bit.
0: That's amazing. And yeah, just the flexibility of mind that you have to have in all of those situations because it's not just you, it's your crew. And everybody's exhausted, right? Like you're barely sleeping and your crew is working super hard too. So when things come up as a unit, you guys have to be able to cultivate an environment that you're able to push forward and adapt instead of just let it get to you and, and maybe not give up, but maybe just delay. Like you guys, it seems like you guys did a good job of that.
1: Well, I think that's one of the biggest things that people do is they, they're they too rigid in their plan on how to achieve a big goal. And it sidelines them because as soon as something goes wrong, it's the first excuse to quit or regroup um, and shift gears. Where in reality, if you're truly trying to achieve something, you have to be creative and intelligent, and you have to continually pivot along the way. Yes, you have the framework of a plan, and there will be no perfect plan because nothing's ever going to go according to plan, especially on a journey where there's so many moving parts that you have to be open and flexible to allow the journey to take you where it's supposed to go, and you have to be open to receiving help from people that would be totally unexpected. And we were just overwhelmed with generosity and people helping out. And I mean, states were planning weeks in advance for us to come and they would communicate with the states that we'd been to and what worked, what didn't work and what our needs were. And, And really we would show up to a state and they had, you know, they heard that our generator went out and we couldn't, take food with us or or anything and we didn't have air conditioning. And so they would, you know, they would have a house set up for the crew to recover and and do it. But what was crazy is we were so undermanned that the crew didn't have a day and a night. Their job was to help me through the day and also drive through the night. And so, yes, I was catching four, maybe five hours of night sleeping on a van floor. The crew didn't have that luxury. So they would catch 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour throughout the day when I was Sent off and I was okay for a minute or depending on how good the support was in each state. I mean, the two wingmen and my wife, they, they went seven weeks where they, there wasn't a, a distinct day and a night other than the sun going up and down. They worked for seven consecutive weeks. Their, their levels of exhaustion were extremely high just in a different way than mine. I mean, you can imagine being exhausted coming off of a trip and having to get home and you drive through the night, how difficult that is. Well, you've got to drive every night for seven consecutive weeks but weeks. that type of exo- weeks, that type of exhaustion, I mean, it's just people don't realize how long 50 days truly is when you're up against something like that. And again, we get into those details in the book, and that, that's why it's being so well received. And that's one of the biggest compliments we got with the book is people are like, we really have enjoyed how open and raw and honest you were with the things and the events that happened. And so it, it's been really cool to get that feedback.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Total transparency is so important. I think like a lot of times people do things and they don't actually tell you everything that happened. And it's important to tell everything because that's how people can relate. And that's how it really makes a difference to empower people to do things is they can actually feel what you went through. And then the next time they're having a challenge, they can think to themselves, well, James did this. I can do this too.
1: Yeah, I can't even describe the amount of emails and social media messages that we get to where they will say, I thought about you late in my Ironman or on the third day of this, whatever we were doing, you know, you were a huge inspiration knowing that you could do it that I did. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not this genetic freak I am. I'm middle America, man. I mean, I've got five kids. We work really hard. We try to make ends meet. We we love our sport and we go out there and we get after it. And so I'm not a Michael Phelps that is genetically dispositioned to swim. I'm not a Shaquille O'Neal who's 7'4", 350. I'm not a LeBron James. I'm not these guys that that are just genetically gifted to do that sport that they found. I'm middle America, man. And I love the sport and I love to challenge myself physically and mentally. And so it's really cool to have people reach out to me saying, hey, i I thought about you. Thank you so much for getting me through the toughest part of that journey. You know, and those messages just mean so much. Um, And I call it inspirational ping pong, meaning I can't stop doing what I'm doing because I feel like I'm letting people down and not helping them get through their toughest moments. And so it's just been this really fun journey that I've been on and the impact that we're having. It's just completely overwhelming. I mean, I'm literally booked in 20 countries between now and June to go speak and share our message. Um, which I never would have thought would have been possible. I mean, we're going to D- Dubai and Malaysia and Israel and Jordan and Africa and just all of these places that I never thought would have any interest. I just did an interview for a, a magazine in Sweden. And, I mean, it's just been just been an incredible journey and one that I,
0: I'll never take for granted. That's such an amazing, amazing story because, like you said, you could barely get off the couch to do a four-mile fun run. Your wife signs you up for a marathon, and now suddenly you're changing – thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, people's lives and soon to be millions by just being brave enough to say, I'm going to take on these challenges and I'm going to do a little more and a little more, and then I'm going to be honest about what happened during these challenges.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Like I said, my wife and I knew that we were going to have a small impact. We had this conversation before we went out on the 50. We both had the overwhelming sense of this is going to have an impact. We just had no idea the type of impact. And for us, that was always one of our biggest whys. I talk about if your dream dreaming your goal and your destination is big enough, you have to have a bag full of whys. Because when it gets real and tough, your one why is not going to be enough. But one of our biggest whys was we knew that this was going to have an impact on people. We just didn't know how big. And so we knew we had to figure out a way to finish it. And get through it and survive it so that we could then go and share the story and impact people. And it's unbelievably humbling every time I present, I've never not got a standing ovation. And it's just an incredible feeling to have people respond that way when you, like, and I don't have an agenda on stage. I share my story, my journey from heart. Like, it's, I don't get up on stage and I'm like, here's your 10 (laughs) <laughs> reasons why to do this. And this is the five-step process to being a badass. I don't do that. I share my story from the heart and I bring emotion into it. And I just, I really do. I just share my story and I allow it to resonate with the audience, however they're ready to receive it, because everybody's on a journey. And if I had a a preconceived five step thing I'm going to miss part of the audience because some of them aren't ready for that part of the journey that they're on and but if I just share my story everybody pulls something different from it based on where they are on their personal journey and where they're trying to get to so it's incredibly humbling to be in a position to to just be booked in 20 countries right now I mean it's just mind-blowing to me
0: yeah that's so incredible congratulations thanks Yes, yeah, so let's kind of move on from the 50, 50, 50. I would love to go into all these details about it because I think it's fascinating, but I want people to read your book and to go check it out there. Cool. <laughs> so this year you mentioned doing several new challenges and you did you, wa- oh, there it is. That's awesome. You guys got to get your hands on that. Okay, number one, it'd be hard to kind of go from a challenge that big and then to say, okay, well, what's next? So how did yeah. you how did you do that part?
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I always felt that what I did wasn't enough because everybody always asked me what was next and, and just inside internally I was like, what do I have to do? <laughs> like why do I have to keep up in the any? I thought for sure 50 consecutive ironmans was going to be enough, but they just it was such an entertaining and raw journey that we went through that summer that people were just, they craved it and they loved it and they wanted me to do more. And I just can't. Those 50 days were so excruciating mentally and physically. I truly don't believe I'll do something to that magnitude again. I now get to go do fun, single or multiple stage adventures and they are truly that they're adventures for me so when people say what's next it's going out and speaking and sharing my story and trying to have impact on people that's really the next part of the journey I had to take over a year off just physically and mentally from the sport I um, it was just so exhausting to do what we did and I truly want in the later stages I was never going to do an Ironman again like I was done but it's truly in my blood And we love it. We have a passion for it. And so I slowly started getting back into it. And then I started getting invited to these incredible challenges. And it started with um, the challenge to mountain bike up Mount Kilimanjaro in March, which was incredibly fun. And we did it to raise money for an orphanage there in Tanzania. And then um, I got invited by the Navy SEALs to recreate the... Uh, Leonidas, who marched an army from Sparta to Thermopylae, 235 miles. And so we recreated that that march run um, with a bunch of Navy SEALs and civilians. And what an incredible experience to be able to do that. And then I'm tackling the four hardest Ironmans in the world, the Celtman in Scotland, the Swissman in Switzerland. I leave on Thursday for the Alaska Man in Alaska, and then I'll finish it with the they say it's the toughest or the biggest one of them all. It's the Norse man in Norway. And they've all I've I've already done the the Keltman and Swiss man and what incredible different unique challenges. I'm a little bit over the mainstream WTC commercialized nature of it. I mean, the the Chinese have come in and bought it and really turned it into a a herding cattle type of business. And it's great. I still love Ironman. It's a huge part of my past, my history, and I coach a lot of people to Ironman. And so I still have respect for what that is. Um, But for me, where I am in my journey, I've really enjoyed these grassroots, smaller fields, challenges to where people are there for the love of the sport and the challenge of doing something hard and so it's been really cool to get into the mountain bike scene to where it's that you know you're huge into that scene you know what I'm talking about and these people are super cool and it's off-road it's off the beaten path and it's it's just uncharted territory really to where it's just not so strict and rigid and mainstream and this is what you're doing Um, so I've just really enjoyed that transition I've got my sights set on the the Cape Epic which is an eight-day stage race mountain bike in in South Africa. That's one of the biggest stage mountain bike races in the world. I've just got invited to go do that. And I think it'd be super exciting. And so I now, what's next for me is being on stages, promoting the the concept of going all in, being mentally tough, doing what you say you're going to do, being capable of so much more than you've ever conceived possible, and then doing these cool adventures and being with my family. And I get to bring my kids on some of these different countries that we go to. I'm starting to take one on each different adventure. And I get to go racing with my wife. You know, Being an author is super fun and cool, and the impact that we're having. And so what's next for me is just continuing to be adventurous, to continue to play that game of motivational ping pong, as I, as I like to call it, and to try to get as many people involved in this lifestyle that, that has completely changed and revolutionized my life.
0: Yeah, I think that it's really hard, back going back to what you said about when people ask you what's next, it's hard if you're somebody that's used to achieving things when somebody asks you that because you feel pressure to try and do something else. And it also takes a lot of courage and a lot of self-reflection to do what you did and be like, no, like this is good. I'm, I want to take on other challenges. I don't need to recreate what I just did in order to feel good about myself or to make an impact in the world. So that's yeah. really awesome that you're able to do that.
1: I joke and I say I've, I've played my man card and it's not being shuffled <laughs> back into the deck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So some of these new adventures you're doing, I saw online on your social media and everybody should check out your social media because I think that the joy, you're a very joyous human being and you can see that in your social media. And it's not just going and doing a race. You're out there as a tourist, you're checking things out all around where you're going and you're taking in life, not just as an athlete. And I think that's a, a really cool and important part of being an athlete who gets to travel the world because I don't know. The reason that I do what I do is because I want to see the world. I don't want to sit inside my hotel room resting my legs because I have to save them for my race. So Yeah, I mean the
1: (laughs) worst – so I just did the Countman in Scotland and Swissman in back-to-back Saturdays and the worst thing that you can do before a event is go walk around in 90, 90 degree weather and we spent 2 days in in England and 2 days in Paris going from Scotland to Switzerland there was 5 or 6 of us friends and my wife and we we saw it all man i mean we took in <laughs> England and Paris and Scotland and i completely trashed my body. I mean, it's the worst possible thing you can do post Ironman and pre Ironman, especially back-to-back weekends when they're extreme Ironmans. But I was like, holy crap, I'm in this coolest part of the world right now. And I've got an opportunity with my wife and my friends to go see Paris and England. And I'm like, I'm here for an adventure. I'm not here to, to best the age groupers. And I mean, that means nothing to me. I don't care if my time is 12 or 11 or 9 or 15. I don't care. I'm out there to really take in the experience and to help athletes and and do all that stuff and challenge myself. And I I do, I go out and I, I try to push a pace when I feel I can. And I, and other times I'll just go and smile and realize that's what I have on the day. But really I'm out there to, I really have an opportunity now to go see the world and be just part of the culture. And it's
0: awesome. Yeah, I think having that flexibility of mind because you said you've won Ironman and you've gotten second place in a lot that that year that you did the 13 and being 30. able to 30. Woohoo. <laughs> but being able to kind of step back and be like, no, this is my goal is now. My goal is not to be the fastest guy out there. My goal is to have a balanced life adventure because yep. that's what you're going to remember at the end of the day. Like you're not going to remember what your time was at Keltman. You're going to remember all the rad things you did leading up to it. Exactly. And you're going to remember Okay. Well, you said it was the hard, one of the hardest things you've done in a while. So I want to dive into that, but you're going to remember all those experiences around it. Nope. Nobody remembers what your time is. Nobody remembers even what place somebody came in, in a race. Like I think it's funny when people get really tied up in their race results because the only person who cares is you. And in the end, what you're going to remember when you look back is the experience around it.
1: Yep. hundred percent can't agree with you more. Well said.
0: Yeah, so tell me why this kelp man was one of the hardest things you've done in a while.
1: You know, I hate, we talked about this earlier, but I hate being cold. Um, <laughs> and the race starts with a 52 degree swim against the current. And so swimming not being my strength and me hating being cold, it just starts the day. And, you know, again, we've talked about attitude and you've, I, I remember standing, it's a funny story, but I remember standing on the edge of the water, just so excited. I'm just like, yes, this is the kind of event I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I jumped in the water and I put my face in and I started swimming and I immediately started writing my retirement speech about how this <laughs> was the last, <laughs> the, last, the last Ironman I'm ever doing <laughs> just because I was so miserable during that swim. And then I got out and I was just like, yes, now I get to go bike through the highlands of Scotland. And then it it rained relentlessly on us. And the last 20 miles were just some of the greatest winds that I've ever biked in. And so that just it presented an extreme challenge, obviously, because of the conditions. And mentally, being cold and being hot are, are tough things to deal with. And it's just an, adds another element to the difficulty of covering the mileage. And then once we got to the run section, I mean, there it wasn't a distinct run path. I mean, it was running down a riverbed and boulders. I mean, it was just extremely, extremely challenging. And what hurt the most was my ankles and my hip flexors and just the, the instability of the surface. I mean, you're in the highlands and I'm telling you that area is not in danger of a drought. I mean, there was just <laughs> so much water and the, the waterfalls was pouring out everywhere. It just makes it very challenging, but I really took my uh, I took the opportunity to take in the experience and did the same thing with, uh, with Swissman just incredible mountain climbs through the Alps and a very, I mean, the last six miles took us over two hours because it was straight up the side of a mountain. I mean, just an incredible pitch, but these, these races are extremely challenging, but so rewarding. And like you said, nobody cares about the time. I mean, it's just such a small percentage of people. The majority of the field is out there to have an adventure to, you know, meet new people and to have new experiences and to expand just that, that ray of camaraderie and experience that people can get, go out and do so it's just really really cool races i'm looking forward to the alaska man and then obviously the norse man is is pretty heavily talked about it's it's kind of the originator of these extreme type Ironmans, where they take you onto a boat in the middle of you know it's pitch black and you got to jump four meters off into again 50 degree water and make your way to the mountain top i mean it's just really cool stuff
0: yeah i mean that's the stuff that makes you feel alive yeah true <laughs> that's amazing yeah. You know, I think with some of these extreme events as well, whether it be triathlon or running or biking or whatever it is, the type of people it attracts that these events attract are really special people because they're all people that want to push themselves. And like you said, have an adventure. And the the interesting thing about the friendships and the community built around these things is it's not based on a lot of things that in daily society, people base their relationships off of. That's not based on like, Status, or what your job is, or whatever, who you know, it's all based on sharing this amazing experience and being willing to put yourself in that situation.
1: Yeah, and I experienced that firsthand. You know, you're sitting on the shore's edge, ready to jump in and swim around the island at the Man or you're on the boat getting out to the swim start in Swissman. And I mean, everybody is just, you're all equals at that point, and you're all, nobody knows. I mean, you're all wearing, you know steel suits, you know, and you all look the same, you got caps on and goggles on, and, and you're just all there because of the love of the sport and the passion for it. And, and I don't know what the guy to the right of me, left of me does for a living or how many kids he has. Not, I just know that we all love the sport. We're all going to jump in the water. And if one of us gets in trouble, we're all going to help each other out. It's just that kind of cool feeling. And it just is a ton of fun. And in these smaller events, it's about camaraderie. It's about the sport. You know, it's not about you know separating the pros from the age groupers and this and that it's just we're all doing an event for a challenge for the adventure
0: yeah there's not many places in life where you get to experience that I mean it seems like with endurance sports that's I'm trying to think of another example of that somewhere else
1: yeah you know I can think about it in like ultra running and stuff like that but it's still the same it's all the sport (laughs) it's all endurance sports yeah for sure
0: yeah, so you've done all different types. You, you've mountain biked up Mount Kilimanjaro, which is actually something on my bucket list. Mm, and you, I, I can
1: give you some good advice. <laughs>
0: all right, I'll be picking your brain about that later. Yeah, but I mean, you've ridden your bike, you've ran, you, you've done all these sports. But which one is your favorite?
1: Oh, cycling, without question. I don't know. I'm 41 now, and running just seems—it's like it's really hard on my body, and. You know the 50 i had a lot of shoulder issues because of my wrestling and then doing 50 consecutive 2.4 mile swims really really put my shoulder in a precarious position um it hasn't fully gotten back to where I'd, I'd like it to be but cycling you can just cover so much ground and you can go see so many cool places and with you know there's so many different styles of riding i mean you can i mean even just within mountain biking there's downhill and there's hardtail and there's full suspension and i've got this new gravel bike and you've got cross bikes i mean there's just even just inside that world there's so many and then and then i've got you know your tt bike and your your road biking and there's just so many varieties that you can go do and i seriously i escape when i go out on my bike i mean to go i mean i live in in Unbelievable training grounds in Utah. I live at 5,500 feet. I can climb up above 10,000 out my back door. Incredible mountain bikes, whether I want to do road or mountain or anything. Just cycling is so good. But people would be surprised to know that I would actually rather be golfing than any of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a big golfer. I absolutely love it. Here, Lucy, come over here. Because I want to introduce you to someone.
0: I, I get to meet Lucy. Yes. You get to
1: meet Lucy. She's the girl that uh, she ran 55Ks in Hi. 50 days.
0: Hey, how's it um, going? Through all
1: 50 states. This is, she can't hear you, but she said, how's it going?
0: Oh, I'm doing great.
1: <laughs> she's on summer vacation. She's doing great. She's going into ninth grade. Is but this is Lucy.
0: Fi- ask her if she's still running 5Ks.
1: We had a discussion just the other day that she needs to start running again because she, in October, right before her birthday, we're signed up for the Halloween Half, which is a, a half. It's the day before her birthday, we're, and it, you dress up in a in Halloween costumes and you run down the canyon, but it's a half marathon, and so she's going to start running this week.
0: Yes. Yes. And I like your shirt. That's a good shirt.
1: Yeah, it says uh, it's one of the shirts that we do. It says, "Get off your ass and run." Awesome. An ass meaning donkey. Yeah,
0: if, of course. If you didn't,
1: if you didn't get it.
0: <laughs> of course
1: she's awesome that's lucy
0: nice to meet you <laughs> that's so cool i love that that's amazing like what positive effects you have on your kids and what example you can set
1: yeah my, uh, like i said i've got five kids and they're they're unbelievable they're all incredibly different and we don't force them into running or anything she actually really loves running and volleyball my second daughter loves gymnastics My little guy loves to climb and do gymnastics, and the other two are just, they like to play. So we don't force them into anything, and we encourage them to eat good foods and move their bodies and play and use their minds. We don't do video games or TV very much, but we just want them to get out there and be creative and have fun.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the key to everything that you've been doing with all these relationships and crews and family is communication so
1: absolutely
0: what advice would you give people who maybe are having challenges with their kids or their partner or even like a crew in a race
1: treat them as their equals if you treat them with your as their equals and you communicate with them and and you set early expectations and then you just you treat them as friendships and equals it just really works i mean obviously with kids you've got to be the authority authoritarian figure and you're not necessarily an equal, but you you make them feel like they're part of the family and part of the unit, and they're contributing and feel loved and communicating with them. Just treat them like human beings. They're, they're not your slaves, and, <laughs> and they, they are people, and they have their own personalities and ideas, and, and it's our jobs to allow them to struggle. I'm reading a great book right now um, called How to Raise an Adult. It's just a phenomenal read about not being a helicopter parent and allowing your children to go through struggle and adversity and that's how they learn and grow. And it, it goes alongside exactly with mental toughness and and facing adversity and that's how you learn and you grow and so parents of today I mean I'm not perfect nobody is but it's just you see a lot of people that you know want to coddle their their children um, and not have them experience things and go through struggle and challenges I just it's just a really good it's just a really good read. I listen to a lot of audiobooks while I'm writing. And so it's just, if it's not on your list, it should be.
0: Awesome. Yeah, actually, there's one I read that was similar to that. I don't even have kids, but I'm always just curious. And this book is called The Gifts of Imperfection by Jessica Leahy. And she was actually on oh. the show recently. And it's exactly, it's the same thing. It's about how to give your kids autonomy and how to let them fail so that they can be better and stronger humans. Yes.
1: Woo. <laughs> I love Do it. Do your
0: kids go golfing with you? <laughs>
1: You know, none of them have gravitated towards it. They've gone a couple times with me and they like to drive the cart, but, uh, that's just, none of them have really taken to it, which is okay because it's an expensive sport. I'd rather them do (laughs) just play in the yard.
0: (laughs) And how often do you and your wife go out together? Because you mentioned that she does running and biking and all these other things competitively. So do you guys train together or do you have like a set day per week where you go out together?
1: yeah we do rides all the time together we'll always start and do warm-ups together and then if we're doing repeats on the mountain or whatever we'll i'll circle back around to her but like this wednesday i know she knows i'm recovering or tapering into alaska man and she's like let's go do a couple hour recovery ride on wednesday and so we're going to do a ride on wednesday and we'll go to the gym and we we have a little space here that we'll set up on our trainers all throughout the winter and we'll do all our rides together and uh, we go to the pool together and stuff like that so we do a lot or as much as we can every friday we'll do a nice trail run up here and uh we don't try to do everything together because we have different training needs and things like that but we'll definitely for you know a couple times a week get together and do something
0: yeah i think that's actually a really good point about relationships that whenever you build new experiences together like it doesn't have to be in sports but just continuing to grow together and do things where you're building new experiences whether it be in sport or in travel or even in communication i think that that's really important for a happy relationship
1: Absolutely, and you alluded to it before. It comes down to communication and and really respecting the other person and supporting them in what they're doing. Um, She really wanted to get her psychology degree, and I could have – you know, no, we're doing the 50. It takes everything. I need your help and support to do it. And she's like, but I didn't do that. I was like, yeah, I think it's important that you do. You want to get the degree? Let's go do it. Let's figure it out. And so while we were preparing and getting ready for the 50, it was important for her to, to graduate with her psychology degree, and we figured out how to do that. And so I think just the, the respect to allow the other person to be who they are and to take on the challenges that they want to as well. So there's a part of being supportive to each other while you're both trying to accomplish your goals.
0: Yeah, that definitely comes back to the autonomy thing that we were talking about, that in a relationship, you have to have autonomy as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. Sorry, there's somebody ringing my doorbell for her. (laughs) So let's wrap this up talking about your coaching. So you coach triathlon and you coach runners and cyclists. So what's your strategy as a coach?
1: One of the biggest things that you know, the mentality out there nowadays is all out all the time, work harder to achieve your goals. And, yeah, you need to work harder in business and relationships and things like that. But when it comes to the body, your body can only adapt and absorb so much intensity. And so we follow and have adapted to the eighty twenty principle where 80% of your time is spent in lower volume and easier intensity. And then the other 20% is explosiveness and power. And the transition that somebody has to go through is stress adapt or stress recover and adapt. And everybody misses out on the recover and adapt portion because they're so concerned about, I'm not getting stronger. I have to go harder. I have to work harder. I have to do more. Um, And they're missing out on the, the most important part of progression is rest and adaptation without rest you can't adapt without adapting you can't get stronger and so we're huge advocates in doing the right amount of intensity and the right amount of recovery in order to bring out the best athlete in in you
0: and do you guys work on or do you work on mindset with your athletes as well
1: well if you're doing the training properly you are forced to be mentally tough because those that 20 percent that we're asking of you puts you in a position where you have to push the envelope of what you're doing. If you're doing the training, the physical aspect of it, the way that we have it set up, you're forced to sharpen your mental toolbox. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And all, awesome. and, all
1: of, and all of our athletes in the forums and everything have full access to myself and the coaches to ask questions and share experiences. And, you know, so it's a team environment um, online to where you have a program that you can follow that's for you, the individual. And then we all communicate in the forums and have open discussions to help everybody grow and learn together on their journey.
0: Wow. So you really are building community amongst the athletes that you work with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the athletes learn and grow and start answering questions for the other athletes and becoming a support group for everybody. And you can find out more. We're always changing and evolving the website, but it's teamironcowboy.com. You can learn kind of a little bit more about our philosophy there. Anything, meaning my books, my training, my coaching, the documentary anything that we do, social media, it can all be linked through my main website, which is just ironcowboy.com. And then I post a lot, uh, mostly on Instagram, and I'm really enjoying the Instagram stories. People can really follow along what I'm doing there. And uh, my handle is at Instagram slash ironcowboyjames. And then on Facebook, it's just slash ironcowboy.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to link all that up in the show notes, but I really love your Instagram stories. You're actually, you know how it knows which ones you click on. Yours is always kind of right up in the (laughs) top three. So it's one of my favorite ones to follow. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks,
1: man. (laughs)
0: Cool. Cool. Well, one last question. Is your book available as an audio book as well?
1: It's being recorded right now. And so we're probably 60 to 90 days out. It just takes so long with the editing process and everything, but it'll be available in Kindle next, um, probably next week Mm -hmm. in a PDF format. So you can save a little bit of money on shipping right there. And then it is going to come out on audible. We're about halfway through recording right now.
0: Super. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I know you're a busy guy, all kinds of fun stuff going on and good luck in your next race. Alaska man.
1: Alaska man. Thank you so much, Sonya. Have a great day.
0: Thank you iron cowboy is so freaking inspiring some things that i took away from that were his purpose is so much more than just him his sense of purpose comes from helping other people and creating a ripple effect of empowerment and positivity i'm also inspired by the fact that there is a a large component of charity behind these events that he does like childhood obesity And giving back is such a huge part of what he does. There are several studies that show that whenever you have a strong sense of purpose and a lot of reasons why you're doing something, it really fuels your motivation, especially when you're doing things like 50 Ironman in 50 consecutive days in all 50 states. Go to ironcowboybook.com to check out his book, Iron Cowboy Redefine Impossible. It's a really great read and I definitely recommend it. The Iron Cowboy has a heart of gold and I hope that you guys got as much as I did out of this really fun conversation with him. My race in Colombia La Leyenda Del Dorado starts on July 30th and it's going to be super hard. It's going to be 300 miles over 7 days and almost 53,000 feet of climbing at high altitude. I know that I'm going to have some fun stories to tell and I'm sure there's going to be some character building and opportunities just like James talked about to expand my mindset. Thank you so much to those of you who have contributed to the Patreon page. I'm also selling some awesome products on my website, sonialooney.com, and go to the shop. There's gloves and stem caps and water bottles and socks, and there's going to be a lot of other new products, so stay tuned for that. It's really fun to be able to share a piece of myself with you guys in the form of products. Thank you again for listening to the podcast and coming back week after week. Please share it with your friends or on social media. It's always really encouraging whenever you get positive reviews on iTunes or email to help fuel the journey along the way. I'm so glad that I can bring guests to you that bring value to your life and also to mine. So we'll see you back here next week, wishing you all the best success in your training and your adventures.